We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 198. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season. We are back in action with the Equestrian Podcast, so close to 200 episodes. That is crazy to me. Hope you had a great time with your family and friends and loved ones. To kick off the year, I thought it would be fun to have someone on who could walk us through a topic that a lot of us have seen before, but maybe some of us have not had the guts or whatever you want to call it to ask questions about it. It's one of those things that you see a lot, you feel like you should know a lot about, but sometimes you don't. And you know what? That's okay. So I nominated myself to be the one to ask all of the questions when it comes to a flexion test. For those of you who don't know what a flexion test is, you've probably seen it. It's usually towards the beginning of a veterinary exam for your horse, where the vet is holding up different parts of your horse's legs for a period of time, and then lowering that leg, followed by the horse immediately trotting off in a straight line, sometimes a curve, sometimes on different surfaces. This is very often used as a baseline for horse's soundness or different injuries and things like that. But what is the horse actually doing? Why is the leg up there? What is the vet actually looking for? These are questions that a lot of us have. And again, that is totally fine. That is why we have professionals who have spent years studying and perfecting this method. Speaking of, our guest today is a top large animal veterinarian. She specializes in hunter-jumper horses all along the East Coast. She works alongside Miller & Associates, who is a group of extremely talented veterinarians who work together to solve some problems and work for some of the top horses of our sport. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, and our wonderful vet who we love, Dr. Kristen Dara. So I would love to hear um, first how you kind of found yourself in the horse world and then a bit of the road that led you to be a vet. Yeah, sure. So I got into horses probably when I was around 10 or 12-ish. My actually youngest sister, she went to like a horse camp in summer and then um, I was jealous so that I wanted to start and then had been hooked since. Um, I just grew up riding in like Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, um, rode a bunch of thoroughbreds off the track when I was younger and then kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, like most of us become obsessed early and then knew pretty early, like through high school that I wanted to be a veterinarian. And, um, that was kind of the path I took. So that's, that's how we, we got here. And obviously now, I mean, you're you know, one of the top, I would say one of the top vets, especially within our discipline of the hunter jumper world. Was there a reason why you wanted to like focus on a specific discipline? Is that just something, is that the area that you mainly grew up riding in? How did you kind of decide what you wanted to do after school? Yeah. So I grew up riding in the jumpers and my mom actually had a really nice hunter and that's kind of what got us into the bigger show world, I would say, and where I got my exposure. And I, I love sports in general. So I love the athletic part of our, of the discipline and obviously love the horses. So I was kind of able to do both. Yeah. So 
yeah, kind of from the start, I, I've always loved, I love the sport and I love participating in the sport and obviously love veterinary medicine too. So it just allows me to do, do both. And then tell me a little bit about how you, with Miller and Associates, like what that dynamic kind of looks like and how you run that practice. So we are, we have a bunch of veterinarians at the moment. We have four locations in Brewster, Long Island, Wellington, and Ocala. And we, we all work as a team. We obviously, we travel a lot, follow our clients all up and down the, the East Coast to all the horse shows. But it's very much a team environment, lots of sharing cases, case discussion, you know, what has worked for some and not others, um, which is actually super valuable, especially for our clients and patients to get to get the opportunity for the best care. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think especially because there's obviously with every horse and every, you know, issue or injury or whatever, there's, it's really just like a horse case by case scenario. It seems like there's never like a cut and dry Oh, this is what you do. And this is what will happen. No, exactly. And you know, what works in one case might not work in another or one person responds to one treatment or therapy and another one will respond differently, which is actually very interesting. You know, as we, a lot of our patients, we, we get to know for a long time throughout their careers. And I find that's one of the most valuable things for me, you know, getting to know them, know them that well. Tell me a little bit about the dynamic or kind of the decision-making process for you, because what I've heard is that being a large animal vet is like a labor of love and definitely there needs to be the passion behind it because it can be really grueling sometimes. Yeah. So we, you know, I think in our, our profession, we have the opportunity and to make, to be involved or as, as uninvolved for lack of a better word as we want. So Mm -hmm. you can pick how much you want to travel if you want to go to the horse shows all summer or not, it's obviously not a nine to five working with animals. Um, yeah. They're on their own schedule and we are at their mercy. Yeah. But it's much different, much more different than small animal, which is obviously a very, you know, very set hours um, with a very set schedule. But I, it is definitely a passion for me. It's more than just a job. So I, I have fully invested myself in that, but that's kind of the nice part or the, the nice part about this job is you can you can be as involved or or mm-hmm. as or limit your schedule as much as you want. Sure. Yeah, that's true. With your riding history, um, are you riding today and how are you finding time to balance that with your work? Um, I am very lucky enough to <clears throat> to be able to ride today. I usually am on sometime between seven and seven thirty, so I can be at my first appointment by eight thirty. So it's just more at the sacrifice of sleep, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's amazing. I think that that's so important too, for just like your mental health and being totally. able to enjoy the aspect of the yeah. sport in that way for yeah. yourself. Exactly. And honestly, it's, it's helpful for my job too, because, you know, so much of what we do is based on what the riders, you know, are feeling and what they might have complaints about. And it's nice to be able to, to ride on my end and, and have that, that part of it too, I think it just makes it easier to understand where they're coming from and hopefully, you know, help, uh, help the horses better. What would you say is your specialty or something that you see very often that you need to work with, with your patients? Um, sound like soundness performance wise, 
I think that's obviously the most common thing mm-hmm. thing we see. Um, I think actually one of the most important things is our relationship with the our farriers because I think a lot of things, you know, the old saying, no foot, no horse. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, that is that is a relationship that's very important to me um, because I think I think a lot of it can start there. Definitely. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so I have a question for you listening because I honestly used to dread having to get prescriptions filled for my animals. Does the idea of having to re-up your prescriptions give you anxiety? I used to be the same way, but then I started shopping at FarmVet. They make it so easy to get my prescriptions filled. All I have to do is order online and they do the rest. On top of making your prescription buying hassle-free, they also have a very knowledgeable staff that I can bounce things off of when I'm questioning a supplement my horse is currently using or considering trying some new. Plus, I love how easy it is to set up and manage auto shipments, so I know my horses always have what they need when they need it. Whether you're shopping online or over the phone, which I've also done all the time because it's super quick, you'll get free shipping on all of your orders over $79. Thinking about giving them a try? You can use my code MYEQUESTRIANSTYLE to get 10% off your first order. Check out FarmVet at farmvet.com. That's F-A-R-M-V-E-T dot com. Again, that is 10% off your order by using code MYEQUESTRIANSTYLE. Some restrictions do apply, like prescriptions and price-protected brands, so make sure you see store for details. Thank you so much, FarmVet. All right, let's get back to the episode. So one of my most requested topics to cover is talking and really just kind of unpacking flexion tests. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. a big part of what you do as kind of like a baseline for your for you know your patients or if there's something specific you are looking at. So tell me a little bit or tell me a lot as much as you can to just kind of unpack the idea of what you are doing in a flexion test, what you're looking for, and kind of how you go through this procedure. Yeah. So I'm just going to take it back one step, just a little bit more relevant. Um, So all our exams start with a standing exam in the barn. And, you know, we look at confirmation, how they're shod, um, any joint abnormalities, if one joint is, you know, more effusive is what we call it, but has more fluid in it than another joint, um, tendon and ligament abnormalities. So are they painful on palpation? Um, Are they symmetrical left front and right front? Any abnormal enlargements? And and getting to know the horse there first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, from a flexion test perspective, so we jog them and get their baseline. Um, And all horses have a baseline, you know, horses are not perfectly symmetrical, just like us, you know, some of us are more dominant on our right side than our left side. Mm -hmm. And then from a flexion perspective, so you are positioning the limb in a way and obviously putting pressure on a certain part of their limb. And all you're trying to do is try and give, you know, obviously they can't talk to us. So we're trying to gain as much information to find out what bothers them, them the most. So the flexions are not, okay, it's not a perfect science, but you know, you're flexing multiple things at one time. So for example, you'll see a lot of, you'll, I'm sure the most common ones people see or are familiar with are like your standard hock flexion behind Mm -hmm. and you know your distal limb so your coffin joint fetlock joint flexion in front and you're you know you're gauging are they uncomfortable while you're flexing them um, and how painful are they or uncomfortable are they trotting off and how long do they carry carry that flexion so how long you know okay 
basically, do they go off lame or do they go off sound? Mm -hmm. And we grade that on a specific scale. And the nice thing about a lot of the horses we see is because we see them frequently, you know, we get a little bit of a gauge of to what they tolerate doing their job with, you know, what kind of, for lack of a better word, like becomes their normal. Um, Cause a lot of horses, especially the older horses that have had long careers, you know, they flex differently than say a five-year-old that, you know, is, is coming up. So right. all of the information together is, is very important. So I wouldn't say that it's, you know, I, at least when I approach it, I like to think of each horse individually. So how old are they? What their job is? How long have they been doing their job? Do they have any recent injuries? Because all of that together in combination with a, a positive or negative response to a flexion test, I think is very important to consider while, you know, in your exam. Definitely. What, is, what are you looking for if you are flexing a horse and then they're jogging off and you look at them from the back and the front um, yeah. versus from the side side. So from the back, you know, if they have an, ob- so in, so if you're looking at them from the back and the front, from the back, you look at mostly pelvic asymmetry, pelvic asymmetry. So, you know, does, is one pelvic limb moving higher than another? That's what you're looking for mainly from behind. Um, and when you're looking from them in front, when they're jogging back at you, you know, do they have an obvious head nod? And then also to front and back, where are they placing their limbs? Do they have a narrow gait? Like, do they trot close together? Do they trot trot quite wide? You know, what's their, the flight of their limbs? So, you know, you heard of horses paddling and stuff like that. Do they Mm -hmm. do that one over the other? How their feet hit the ground? So do they hit straight, like even, or do they, you know, strike the ground a little bit? Some will do, you know, when the outside of the foot hits first and then the inside of the foot. So there's a lot looking, a lot of information you can gather from looking them looking at them from straight behind and then face on. Um, From the side, I look more at, so a little bit stride length. So, you know, do their hind feet cover their front tracks? Do they take shorter steps on one side versus the other? You know, are they slow on one pelvic limb versus the other? I would say those are the main things from the side. But I think it's also very important to look at them from the front, back and side to gain more of a, a complete perspective. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the standard time to hold that flex is about two minutes. Is that what you normally do? And why two minutes? Two minutes is actually quite long. Um, I generally will hold them around 45 seconds to a minute, depending on a, if the horse even tolerates it, because some of them are painful enough that they, they don't, they don't tolerate that long. Um, but I do think that you need to hold them long enough so that you get an accurate assessment because I think if you don't hold them long enough, you can kind of lie to yourself a little bit of, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they might be more sore than, than that flexion response may, may tell you. But again, it's all, it's a little bit, you know, we're at the mercy of them and what they tolerate. So, so I say, I try to be very consistent as well in my exams for all horses and, and all their limbs. But you know, if they're, if they're painful enough, then oftentimes we can't hold them that long because they are not tolerant. But I think two minutes, two minutes is, is long. I would say mm-hmm. I would, I typically do. Yeah. About a minute. For, pardon me. 45 seconds to a minute. Yeah. 
And then what about the your thought process behind kind of collecting information of uh, your horses during flexion tests over different surfaces? So gravel or grass or in a yeah. circle? Yeah, super important. Um, so obviously, you know, people, the textbook says, you know, hard ground is more indicative of maybe bone pain or joint pain versus softer surfaces, which is more indicative of maybe soft tissue pain. I don't think that they always follow that rule, but a lot of times, depending on what surface you're on, it could exaggerate different problems they may have. So, you know, harder ground, I think is especially, I think harder ground, it's obviously more of an aggressive surface that they have to jog on. So I think that it can tell you a lot of information. The softer surfaces are often more forgiving. But it, I think it is very important to remember what you're, you know, the service you're evaluating them on. And especially when you go to like, a lot of these horses, we end up rechecking afterwards and making sure that we, we keep as much of the exam consistent from time to time so that we can follow, follow a pattern, mm-hmm. which I think is also important. You know, if we look at them on the hard ground one time and soft another time, I think right. that can, that can play a role in potentially, you know, how comfortable, how comfortable they are or are not. So, you know, we can only control so many things in the environment, but I think the surface is, is very important to keep consistent if you're looking at a horse for, you know, one problem over a period of time. And when do you decide to do this flexion test with um, jogging the horse versus under saddle? Um, sometimes they're just naughty in hand. So for (laughs) safety of horses and people, um, we'll do them under because, you know, that's something that they're, they're more used to. Oftentimes, you know, obviously in hand, they're not weighted under tack. They have a a person on them. So they, they are weighted. And sometimes that can exaggerate the flexions a little bit more when you are doing them under saddle with weight. It's also interesting sometimes, you know, when we bring them out of their stall and jog them, you know, cold, there's not really a time that they have to warm up. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if they have a really positive flexion in hand and I do an undersaddle portion and sometimes I'll reflex it and see if it's staying positive, did it improve, you know, as the horse worked more, did it get worse as the horse worked more? So I think all of those things are, are very important. Definitely. Awesome. Um, what would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? I think from a veterinary perspective, probably something that people don't really probably don't know very much about um, and don't talk much about is um, kind of the mental health in the veterinary profession. We have one of the highest, this is a little bit deep, but we have one of the highest um, suicide rates in, in a profession. And, you know, like you kind of said in the beginning, you know, we, we, we give a lot of our life to it because I think it is a passion for a lot of us and um, not just a, a nine to five job. And a lot of it, you know, at least for me, I can speak for myself. Like I, um, I take home with me a lot, like the successes, my successes and failures, um, my patient successes and failures, the client successes and failures, it all means a lot to us. And I think, you know, we are always very, or we try to be very available to everyone at all times. And I think sometimes that can be for us, you know, a lot, not saying we don't love it, but I think that is one thing that, you know, and I think that can go a kind of across the industry between, you know, trainers, mm-hmm. barriers, grooms, managers, all of that. And, um, 
yeah, I think for me, that's, that's something that, you know, I'm still trying to figure out too, in terms of work-life balance, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think that is, that is something in our industry in general that, that we all struggle with. Definitely. What do you think are things that, you know, us as an industry can do as a whole, but also for veterinarians to um, see any type of changes in that rate in the future? Um, I think, you know, I think, and I think this is probably, you know, again, more than just our industry, but I think, you know, just gratitude, you know, just saying thank you. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as it is. Yeah. It's um, crazy how long because, that goes. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And I think, you know, and at least for me, like I, I, uh, I love when, you know, and, and, and to the horses too, like they, um, you know, we would be here without, without them, obviously. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's so fun, but it is, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure there at, at the end of the day for, for everyone. And, um, I think that sometimes that can be forgotten a little bit. Right. Definitely. What would you say is the, your favorite part of your job or, you know, the most rewarding and what would you say is the most challenging part? The most rewarding part for me, I think is when, you know, we have one, a horse that either is coming off of injury or, you know, had, you know, had some trouble or whatever and, and, you know, rehabbing them and getting back to them, to them at the level that they were before their injury. I find that very rewarding yeah, and, and very satisfying. But then also, you know, I think the sick ones, the ones you work really hard at, like that you're up all night, it, it's rewarding for them to, to get better. So the little things and the big things, the most challenging for me, the most challenging thing about the job is, is, is finding the balance. Cause you know, we could go all day. Yeah. Literally never ends. Yeah. And that's you're one of the main positions I feel like in this industry that I feel for that. I'm just like, man, like I get stressed out with, with what I do. And it, (laughs) I just feel like you are always, you know, either like on your way to somewhere else or working with someone or having to move stuff around and always that kind of like feeling of being behind and having to catch up and and go to this barn and that barn. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's so, it's fun though. Like I have to say, I, I have mm-hmm. a great time doing it. At yeah. The end of the day. And that, I mean, I feel like that is such a big part of how you can be so successful. I mean, in anything, but in, in a position that is that demanding, if it's something that you continue to enjoy, um, it makes those long days worth it. Yeah. Oh, it does. It is, it is very rewarding at the end of the day. And it's awesome when, when the horses go well and and everyone's happy. So, yeah. Well, I know that our barn trusts you with our lives and all of our horses' lives. So thank you so much for all that you do. And um, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.